0: From St. Louis Public Radio. This is Politically Speaking.
1: With the Delta variant beginning to spread more throughout the St. Louis area, health officials and executive leaders are beginning to discuss mask mandates with more seriousness. But actually making those restrictions stick could be a challenge thanks to a new state law that gives bodies like the county council more authority. St. Louis County Council Chairwoman Rita Days joins the latest episode of Politically Speaking to talk about how the council will handle the Delta variant and the allocation of American Rescue Plan funds. Let's hit the music. This is the Politically Speaking podcast, the definitive show about Missouri politics.
0: We have to talk about things that matter to people.
1: I've tried to bring that same aggressive iconoclast style with me to uh, the United States Senate. I think my district is a model for the state. We put Missourians first.
0: You just kind of have to find the common ground with people. I believe that this district deserves someone who represents their values.
1: After I came back to St. Louis, I started thinking that I could have a bigger role on the change that I wanted to make. And welcome to Politically Speaking. I'm your host, St. Louis Public Radio political correspondent, Jason Rosenbaum. Joining me today, uh, she is the chairwoman of the St. Louis County Council. Our guest today is?
0: Rita Hurd-Days.
1: Thank you, councilwoman, for your time. This is actually the first time you're on on the show as an actual councilwoman. I checked the last time you were on the show, you were just a councilwoman-elect. Uh, Before we dive in, yeah, time flies when you're having fun, I suppose. I want to talk about the COVID-19 pandemic. One of the big changes that has happened uh, this year compared to 2020 is the council has a lot more decision-making power over restrictions. Can you just explain to our listeners what the council's role will be if the health department, say, puts a mask mandate forward?
0: Well, I think the state legislature uh, passed a law uh, this past session uh, regarding mandates of any kind with the health department, county executives or whoever in uh, in those positions, uh, that those orders would last 30 days. And the past 30 days, you'd really need to come to the council or the administrative body uh, to, uh, I guess, make your case for why that should continue. Um, I'm not sure um, how that will play out with this because we haven't had any uh, new mandates yet. And uh, so we will see when, the, uh, when and if the county executive decides that he wants to issue uh, another mandate and we'll move forward from there.
1: Here is County Executive Page talking on Wednesday morning about the prospect of a mass mandate.
2: We'll talk to the county attorneys and if they believe and they interpret the the state law to require council approval for something like a mask mandate, then that's what we'll do. I would be surprised if uh, in in this setting of rising COVID cases, if the recommendation of of the experts in the public health department and the recommendations of the pandemic task force in order to save lives in the community is for a mask mandate, I would be surprised if the council didn't support that.
1: What is your reaction to hearing that clip from th- County Executive?
0: I think that uh, probably he's, he's, uh, he's uh, on point with that one. The point of all of the uh, mandates and all of this was that the council wanted to be part of that process. The council was not part of anything that he decided. Uh, we were not apprised of it. Many times, we found out in the newspaper, or or in television, or radio, or something of what was going on actually in St. Louis County. That was inappropriate. And I, I the, the, not the fact that we want to upend the mandates or we want to do away with the mandates. We wanted to hear what this process was in coming to that decision. And I don't think that's out of line with what our legislative responsibilities are.
1: I, I have small kids. I wear masks pretty much in public whenever I have my kids with me as modeling behavior, but also because you know, they're unvaccinated. So I don't feel like I'm in the same situation as everybody. But I could see the reimposition of things like mass mandates or I don't know if like capacity restrictions are coming back as kind of almost collective punishment against people that have been vaccinated because unvaccinated people are not going out and getting their shot. What would be your response to people that may have gone along with the restrictions when there was no vaccine, but are going to be less happy about them now, given that there is a vaccine and they're being put in place because a lot of people aren't taking advantage of it?
0: And I think that's uh, that goes to people who have been responsible enough to do what they think is appropriate, which means that they got the vaccinations. And so, if I get the vaccination and then, but I'm now I'm told that I have to go and revert back to what I was doing before the vaccinations. I don't think that sits well with people, and so they want to really know. And even last night at the uh, at the council meeting. Uh, one of our public speakers said, well, I was supposed to get the vaccination and I'm supposed to be a safe. And so now you're telling me that I have, even though I have the vaccination, I have to continue to do what I did when I was not vaccinated. So it doesn't really it doesn't really make a lot of sense if you if you look at it from that perspective.
1: A lot of the epidemiologists and health experts have pointed out that if you get the vaccine and you get covid, you are far, far, far less likely to get a severe case of COVID and go to the hospital. I think that the jury is still out, though, about whether if you're vaccinated and you get COVID, whether the transmission goes down. That was the reason why the CDC said that if you're vaccinated, you didn't have to wear masks anymore because there was data to show that the transmission went down. But that was for the the Alpha variant and the Delta variant is a lot more infectious. So I I think that that's maybe where it's coming from. But I think that it's pretty clear that if you're vaccinated, the chances of you getting very sick and dying from COVID go down dramatically.
0: And I think that is what we have been told exactly. And so uh, when, you, when you look at uh, the overall picture, uh, the vaccinations have given people a sense of security that they have done what they needed to do. They've followed your advice. They have followed um, uh, the recommendations of the CDC and all the other experts in this field. And so again, it, it, it's almost as if you're, you're uh, putting more restrictions on me because I've done what I need to do. And I think that's where a lot of the confusion is coming from. Uh, Sometimes hostility, Uh, people are not wanting to go back to where they were. They've lived this life for over a year now and they are just not in a mode, a mood to go back and, and, and repeat this.
1: Would it be fair to say it's too early to say if the council would extend a mass mandate beyond 30 days? Do you have to talk to your council colleagues about whether there's four or five votes for that?
0: Absolutely. And, and I think that that is the appropriate way to do that. Uh, the county executive or his people or whoever he has that will, you know, is a liaison to our um, council would come and give us the opportunity to ask questions uh, and to get, get information about what you think is going on. And then we will make a decision from that. Absent that, we're, we're in the dark. And so we don't know what's going on. And I think that's important to this council that they be informed.
1: Another area in the COVID universe that the council is going to be much more engaged on than 2020 is the allocation of American Rescue Plan funds. Uh, For some context, and I think that maybe you can touch on this, when the CARES Act money came to St. Louis County, the council voted to give county executive page basically all decision-making power over how to spend that money. And you, you voted to do that, but you have since said that you regret that decision.
0: That's very accurate. And uh, I will say that um, uh, to relinquish all uh, control from the legislative body is not a good idea. Uh, the county executive uh, talked to uh, me about what he had planned to do and wanted to do for, uh, particularly my area, which is his um, Um, probably uh, hit the hardest with this and uh, and I I supported that I you know it was it was a hard vote I will tell you that it was a hard vote to give up your um, your control over uh, uh, your community giving up control over that much money and you really don't have anything to say this is what the plan is and so subsequently we found out that there really was no plan Uh, We continue to ask for plans. We continue to ask for how the money was spent. As a matter of fact, uh, in August, I think the first week in August, we're going to have a a meeting over how the the initial COVID monies were spent uh, before we move into spending the the next COVID uh, ARCA monies is what they're called. And so we're going to be uh, looking at, okay, what happened? Because we have not yet been apprised of the details of how that was spent
1: even if Page wanted the same arrangement, the votes aren't there anymore. So that means that whatever he wants has to be approved by the council. And this is a clip again from Wednesday about how he wants to spend at least the
2: initial portion of the money. The investment in workforce development and a jobs program uh, at the North County uh, Met Center is about $20 million, an expansion of uh, public health Uh, footprint and access to health care in communities that uh, are impacted by health care disparities is about $35 million. Uh, The the extra uh, um, hazard pay to um, folks in justice services, a small pay increase to uh, the people that work in the jail is um, a million and a half or so. Uh, the remainder would be to replace lost revenue and stabilize the county budget because of lost uh, revenue from sales tax, and that number is um, is not entirely clear. So I need to talk to our budget director and see how much um, that would take and how far and how deeply we would go into the expenditure of the first, um, you know, uh, $95 million or so.
1: Where, where would you like to see the money go? And more importantly, what are other members of the council saying they want to be priorities from these funds?
0: As you're aware, the council has had two workshops uh, regarding the ARPA funds. And the initial workshop was to kind of get a overall general idea of the kinds of things that you would be looking to spend this money. The second was to um, whittle that down to Actually, we been down to two actual um, areas that we would like to spend uh, the money. And the first was public safety. Um, I did not hear the uh, county executive mention anything about public safety, but uh, this council uh, had decided that that was a priority for them. Uh, the second was uh, was economic development, which encompasses a lot. Uh, some of the uh, activities that he mentioned just, uh, just recently uh, would probably fall under the economic development arm. It's very interesting that, um, that most of the departments and what they're looking for uh, is in salaries and, and increases and, and new personnel. And we have been informed on a number of occasions that this is one-time money. We, can, we, have, we don't need to, um, what the old people used to say, make a bill. But we need to spend this money on one-time expenditures where we can get the biggest bank of our buck. We look at, um, for instance, for the police department, we'll look at the, uh, the CAD system. And I don't know what that acronym means, but I think it's the um, uh, maybe the 911 system or something like that needed some kind of enhancement. Uh, Chief Barton gave us that as, a, as a one of her on her wish list. And uh, so we're looking at uh, that, that in terms of public safety. Um, And then when, when you move on to economic development, of course, we're looking at jobs. Uh, you know how we can we can incentivize work uh, for, for folks who need that at this particular time. Uh, looking at housing, uh, looking at food deserts, all these kinds of things that we th- and of course, um, you know when you when you talk about jobs, that aids in all the rest of these things. If you have a pretty good job, then you can afford uh, the food that you need, the good quality food, nourishing food, you can afford good housing. and of course, your communities uh, would be a lot safer with that. So that's the, those are the two large buckets that we have uh, come up with. And so we're right now, we're looking to the departments, we've asked them uh, to give us an idea of what they would like to uh, utilize these funds for. But as I said, uh, probably most of them came with, with um, Uh, looking for uh, additional people. And we cannot afford, St. Louis County cannot afford uh, in its budget to pick up uh, after the ARPA funds are done. We cannot afford to pick up extra personnel at this particular time.
1: St. Louis County approved a half cent sales tax increase for public safety that has-
0: Are you speaking Prop P? Yes,
1: I'm talking about Prop P. I'm just kind of, I'm, I'm, wouldn't it just be better to use funds from that rather than ARPA money
0: Yeah let me let me weigh in on that one because I again that happened before I got here but I have not had a clear understanding of what what prop P was, what we used it for and I will say that um, and this is a caveat to another another subject that um, we are in the process now of uh, hiring a new auditor. And, uh, and I think that that would help us to understand better where our money is, what's being spent. Is it being spent efficiently? We have not had that before. And, uh, and so I think that would help us as we move forward looking at these kinds of, of expenditures. Prop P could very well be used for that. But we don't have any idea right now of what is actually uh, the utilization of Prop P. At least I don't.
1: Yeah. And the reason I bring that up is there's been a lot of discussion nationally and regionally about, quote unquote, defunding the police and about whether you take money from the police budget and put it into social services. Well, St. Louis and St. Louis County have done the opposite over the last four years. They have passed very steep sales tax increases that have directed, again, tens of millions, if not several hundred millions of dollars toward public safety services. And- I think that that's something the auditor's office needs to figure out about whether this money has actually played a role in helping strengthen public safety efforts. Because I haven't really seen a lot of studies showcasing that the amount of money that St. Louis and St. Louis County have, have have expended toward Prop P have led to less crime. And I think that needs to be studied and and analyzed whether taxpayer money is really helping toward that matter. That's more of an observation than a question, but if you want to weigh in on that, I'd be interested in your opinion. Well,
0: Jason, I do. I do, because I think you're exactly right. Uh, A lot of times when we have uh, an influx of money, you know, the accountability is really not there. I guess that's what I'm looking for is accountability of what was and what continues to be the expenditures out of Prop P. We do not, I do not know that. And I'm not sure if we've ever had uh, an opportunity to just sit down and go through that and look at the, the monies and the budget uh, that, uh, that Prop P is supposed to support. Um, you know, I understand it's in several areas of, of the county. I don't know if that's what the, um, um, the citizens wanted. I remember voting for Prop P because I was told that it would put two, two officers in each car. And, and that was actually why I voted for it, period. And I don't see two officers in every car. And so I'm disillusioned by that. I'm not sure how many other citizens, are. you know, maybe they've just forgotten about the fact that we do have Prop P. But I, 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 was, uh, I was a little taken aback that, uh, you know, it was almost like a bait and switch.
1: That would be what, like, the auditor's office would find out. Are there two officers to a car? You know, are the things that the people said, were going to happen in 2017. Did they actually happen? Like, I don't know the answer to that. And maybe they can show that the additional money, which I think a lot of it went for higher pay, led to more recruitment or or less crime. Like, I don't know the answer to that, but I think that it's been about four or five years. I think it's time we start finding the answers to some of these things.
0: I I agree. And uh, as you know, the council's um, I guess support system is, is, is very thin. And so we have to depend on others to tell us uh, what they think is happening. Uh, but with an auditor, I think we will be able to get a better picture of how that money is being spent. And if it's being spent wisely, do we need to make adjustments in that and we'll move forward? Again, you have no idea. And until you get the information, you really cannot make sound decisions.
1: We'll be right back after this short break with St. Louis County Councilwoman Rita Days. And we're back on Politically Speaking with St. Louis County Councilwoman Rita Days. She is a Democrat from Belnor and she is the chairwoman of the St. Louis County Council. Now, I want to talk about another thing that has Definitely taken up a a little bit of the council's time, but definitely gotten a lot of attention. And that is the effort to subpoena records related to County Executive Page's work as an anesthesiologist. I'm just going to ask very simply, why is the council interested in this particular issue?
0: We have had several constituents to bring the issue up about that. Uh, We looked at and and wanted actually just to kind of get the information from either the county executive or the people that he works for. And that has not been forthcoming. And therefore, the uh, uh, subpoena is the next step in doing that. Um, I think it's important because of charter. The charter is, I thought, very clear. Uh, as to what the responsibilities were of the county executive and the opportunity for him to have outside pay uh, or or outside job, period, uh, uh, doing his term uh, tenure, doing his or her tenure uh, as the county executive. And so again, we're looking for information. You cannot make a decision if you do not have the information and that's the purpose of the subpoenas
1: so the county executive has already said that he has been doing work as an anesthesiologist primarily on the weekend i don't think that that fact is really in dispute like why why is getting his pay records necessary when he's already said that he has been doing outside work
0: well i believe and i was not here at the time That uh, when the county executive um, elevated himself to that position, that the statement was made that I will take a leave of absence from my anesthesiology job in order to do the county executive work. And so at that particular point, I assume from the other council members that were here, that said that it would be his only, uh, only job working for St. Louis County. And uh, so that seems to not have been the case or is not the case. Again, we don't know that. uh, And according to the charter, uh, that is not allowed. Now, I guess you can interpret the charter different ways as a free time or whatever like that. But I did not see any sort of caveat or exclusion uh, in the charter. And there may be a different interpretation I I, I own to that. And so that is why we want to really figure out. uh, And I will also say that um, some constituents are indicating that they have uh, uh, seen perhaps the county executive uh, doing work days uh, in in surgery and things like that. So, again, we just want to get the information and make a decision from there.
1: I'm trying to figure out like what the end game here is, because I've got this statement from St. Louis County Prosecuting Attorney Wesley Bell, and I'm going to read it verbatim. I have no comment on the views of my predecessor. What is clear regarding the county charter language is its lack of clarity, which is not under the purview of this office. He was talking about a comment that former prosecutor Bob McCullough made about like what the consequence would be if it's discovered that Page is violating the charter. And from reading that statement, it doesn't seem like Prosecutor Bell is really gonna get involved with this, which I think is important because I think that the only clear penalty of this, if he's violating the charter, would be a quo warranto, which is it, it's a it's a Latin phrase about removing somebody from office through a court right. action. You, you and you
0: do recall that that is what uh, uh, the uh, county executive and the and the county council filed uh, on, um, I guess, uh, quo warranto. I uh, I can't say the word right. Well, um, it, it, we it, were it, trying to. Yeah, well, we were trying to um, uh, get the, um, the chair a position uh, myself, and I think that's what was filed there. But this is not under the purview of the council. We cannot issue quarantos. We cannot uh, uh, put anybody out of office. We cannot do any of that. We want to know Bottom line is if the charter is being followed and and that's the end of that. And where it goes from there is not really under the purview of the council.
1: Yeah. And that's kind of where I was going with with the question before I butchered, you know, explaining what quo warranto was. (laughs) If if, If Wesley Bell is not going to pursue a quo warranto, if it's found out he's violating the charter, then I don't really see what the end game of this is other than just, you know, publicizing the fact that he's doing anesthesiology work, which I guess is a political issue, but it doesn't really seem to be like a governmental issue anymore. How would you respond to that?
0: Well, again, I'm looking at the charter and what the charter is saying about the county executive's position. Uh, And so, again, we're not, again, not trying to remove anybody from office. The information is that perhaps you would Follow your um, initial statement of taking a leave of absence so that you can fully uh, engage in the in the um, in the offerings and the um, uh, the abilities and the whatever is going on with county government that you would be able to devote your entire attention to that. And that's in in, in the as I have talked to the various members of the council. That's what it's all about.
1: I want to play a clip now from one of your colleagues, Councilman Ernie Trakas. He's a Republican from South St. Louis County who does not agree with the idea of issuing subpoenas.
2: Despite a feckless attempt to claim oversight responsibility based on separation of powers and the council's role as a check and balance on the executive branch as the legislative purpose for the issuance of the subpoenas, the simple fact of the matter is that there is no legitimate legislative purpose that can justify the issuance of the subpoenas. This is no different than the U.S. Congress's relentless attempts to obtain copies of President Trump's and his family's personal records and tax returns.
1: What's your response to Councilman Trachis there?
0: Well, first of all, the Congress does not have subpoena power. I, I, I believe that is the statement. And so to compare what we're doing with Congress, I think is uh, probably an apples and oranges comparison there. And uh, and I think that, uh, uh, Councilman Trakers has been uh, very vocal in his opposition uh, to what is uh, going on here. And so he has absolutely that right to do that and that right to say that. And we accept that for what it is.
1: I want to move on in our last few minutes of this conversation um, to, to talk about two people that played a really big role in St. Louis County politics who have passed away recently. And that is your predecessor on the council, uh, former councilwoman woman Hazel Irby, as well as former state representative Betty Thompson, both of them died. I think maybe a week. Uh, uh, I think that they, they died pretty Within close to each other. Yeah. Same week. Yeah.
0: Um, yeah. The same week, uh, Jason, and that was a that was a tough week for me, uh, given the fact that I um, I was um, handpicked by a uh, Hazel to um, assume her position. <laughs> And I say that in all jest uh, because I was in retirement, as you well know, from uh, legislative duties or any political uh, uh, work at that time. And uh, and she came to me and asked me to do that. And uh, it it, it was very difficult to say no to her uh, because this is something that she has done for 15, almost 16 years. She loved the, uh, the, the, uh, the first council district. She worked very hard uh, in the council district trying to make sure that uh, the needs of the citizens were met. And so to walk into something like that, it was a little intimidating, I'll tell you, even after being uh, in the state legislature, the council is very close, very close to the people. And uh, we we see them uh, uh, every day. We have the meetings every week and they're there to tell us what's going on and how these things happen. So it was a a bit intimidating. But uh, as you know, right now, I was not able to say no to her. And here I am. Uh, Betty Thompson and I, I was uh, her chauffeur, if you will, uh, going to Jefferson City, you know, Betty's eyes were not that good and she did not drive. And so um, somehow we connected and I said, you know, I don't have a problem with you riding with me um, to Jefferson City and back. As a matter of fact, we stayed in the same um, apartment complex. So we got to know each other, you know, pretty well uh, in those uh, two hour drives up and two hour drives back.
1: When Councilwoman Irby died, um, I tweeted out that she is one of the most important and impactful St. Louis County political leaders in history. And I understand that like when somebody who you're close with passes away, you're prone to make hyperbolic statements, but I really don't think that that statement is really that far from the truth, because in 2014, when she started the Fannie Lou Hammer Coalition... I think that she was a galvanizing force, especially for black political leaders in St. Louis County to band together and to showcase their strength. And even though in 2014, they weren't successful in defeating Steve Stanger, I think without Hazel Irby, there's no Wesley Bell in 2018. Without Hazel Irby, there's not the oppositionary coalition that I think brought Steve Stanger down. And I think that just she was just a mentor to a lot of people that i think are going to make a really big impact in in st louis county politics and i think former state representative betty thompson was was very similar in that sense that she really helped out a lot of people that maybe wouldn't have gotten into politics without their their help and and, and their pushing so again that's more of an observation than a question but if it, i i'd be i'd be interested to hear your views on on that on that thought.
0: Jason I think you're absolutely correct. I think that both of them were not interested in what it did for them individually. They were interested in a community and how to make our community better. We both of all, all three of us live in in a predominantly African American uh, districts, and and so it was very important I think to both of them uh, that we get the best that we can. That you know we don't need to uh, be subservient to any party. That we can. Uh, coalesce around issues, uh, coalesce around people who share the same vision that we do and move forward with that. And, and with that Fannie Lou Hamer uh, uh, organization, I think that's exactly what, what she did. Uh, 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 Hazel uh, was a staunch supporter of Charlie Dooley. Uh, she did not feel that uh, he uh, got the right deal when, uh, when uh, he was challenged by Steve Stanger. Now we know that she uh, was probably right on that one. Um, but it was uh, very important to her that we make a stand as African-Americans, uh, not necessarily within the party, but we can do things outside of the party and be successful as well. Uh, Rick Stream came extremely close uh, to becoming the county executive, and I think that was attributable to the Fanning New Hamer organization.
1: And, I, and as a parting thought that, again, you can respond to, one of the things that was very noticeable to me is that I don't think that she let took things super personally uh, most of the time. Like for example, I think it's forgotten that in 2014 Wesley Bell ran against Hazel Irby in a pretty competitive county council race, yet they eventually, I think, became relative allies when he ran for for prosecutor. And this is a point that I will always remember. Even though she and Steve Stanger got into really, really personal and difficult political battles, when I talked with her after he got indicted, she wasn't gloating about it at all. She was concerned for his kids and his family. She told me she felt really sad about the whole thing. And I think that's just a testament to her character that absolutely because. I don't know if I would have reacted the same way because Steve Stanger did a whole bunch of things to her that I don't think I could ever let go.
0: But when you 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 have a, a higher power, and Hazel had a higher power than than here, uh, and her. Um... Her ethics guided her. Her religion guided her. And so, to hold grudges like that was not what she was about. And let me just say this: that there were a lot of negative things said about uh, Hazel as she moved forward with uh, um, with with how she with how with her support for uh, Rick Stream. Uh, you know, because you know, good good Democrats don't do those kinds of things. But you know, when you're an African American and a Democrat, I always say that there are two two uh, sections or two parts of the Democrat party and, uh, and we're in one and the other folks are in the other. And so when it comes to looking out after our interests, uh, sometimes that's just not there. And I think Hazel recognized that. But once these things are over, you move on. I remember her telling me that uh, the night, the last night of the council, his last council, uh, she went by his house and, and she said, I just had to give him a big hug. And I'm so sorry that this happened. Uh, but, you know, the law is a law. And, uh, but so her compassion was, was overwhelming and and that gets transcended everything and everybody.
1: I was very glad to be able to, be able to spend a really large amount of time with both of them and I think that both of them are leaving a really substantial legacy. Uh, Council it's wa- going to
0: be very very difficult to fill those shoes but we're looking and hopefully uh that we'll have some young people that are willing which is a lot of them most of both of them were interested in younger people following their footsteps so Hopefully we can get that done, but uh, they will be missed. These were two giants in the African-American community in politics, period, and uh, and they will be missed.
1: One last question before I let you go. Have you made a decision about whether you're running for a full four year term next year?
0: Absolutely. I am running for a full four year term. Yes, oh, sir. We are, bre- we are breaking.
1: We are breaking news. You you actually <laughs> answered me directly. Thank you so much for doing that. And uh I was was not expecting that. So uh, let's ah. <laughs> uh, let's let's leave this uh, episode on that note for all of our stories, stlpr.org. Uh, Politically Speaking is a product of St. Louis Public Radio, which is a part of the University of Missouri St. Louis. You can follow me on Twitter at Jay Rosenbaum. I believe your Twitter is riddedays Days One. Am, am I getting that correct?
0: Uh, Jason, I can't help you on that. They, <laughs> I have people that do that, but I don't do the twi- tweeting. <laughs> it, it, it
1: is Ritter Days one. I got that correct, right. so I, I wasn't I wasn't incorrect on that. Until All next right. time, so long.
0: From St. Louis Public Radio. This is Politically Speaking.